relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. Good to be with you, everybody. And I am especially happy to be joined this segment with uh, John Solomon, who is the proprietor of Just the News. They do the actual investigative work and dig into the many bad things going on, one of which is more evidence of government abuse of power to attack political opponents. Uh, This is the FBI, shockingly, uh, but a different version of their ongoing stuff. What do you got, John? Yeah, Jim, good to be with you. This is a really important thing. What we're hearing from multiple whistleblowers who have gone to Congress, gone to the Inspector General of the Justice Department, is that FBI uh, ideologues are beginning to use a thing called threat tags. Threat tags are normally reserved for terrorists or extremists who are likely to commit uh, violent acts against Americans. And these threat tags are now being used. We first heard about them. They were applied for a period of time until it was called a mistake to parents who were protesting curriculum uh, changes at school board meetings. Clearly not terrorists, right? Uh, then we heard recently that the Richmond office of the FBI uh, did a memo that applied threat tags to Catholics who preferred Latin mass. I'm not sure why preferring a Latin mass would make you a terrorist, but for a while they did. The FBI said, oh, that was a mistake. Now, uh, a new whistleblower has come out in the last couple of days and said the same thing was going on. They're replying threat tags to uh, anti-abortion pro-life activists. Now, what's really interesting about this is that there was a threat tag originally created for pro-abortion forces who were threatening death to uh, Supreme Court justices who were talking about reversing Roe v. Wade, which they did. All right, that's a legitimate use of a threat tag. If someone's actually thinking of assassinating uh, justice, that is a legitimate use. But very quickly after the abortion threat tag was created, it was flipped around by ideologues, according to this whistleblower, to go after pro-life activists who had posed no mortal threat. They were not making any threats of damage or um, uh, assassinating someone. Again, another sign of the bias, according to this whistleblower. Three or four instances in a very short window of time where threat tags are being applied to really political opponents of certain ideologues in the FBI. Deeply concerning. Uh, we had Jim Jordan uh, talk to him about this yesterday. He said it's one of the most scary things he's seen. We've got to stamp this out of the culture of the FBI, he said. Now, it's it's weird how these always seem to end up going the same direction. So they accidentally, yeah. you know, and I think they may have rightly had to do their jobs. And, and I don't mean to crap on all the FBI. But, you know, OK, protecting the Supreme Court justice is great. But the rest yeah. of them almost always seem to be going our direction because there is only one kind of, of hate crime or domestic terrorism or extremism that they're right. interested in. Now, when, when they put a threat tag on someone, that allows increased surveillance and other government tools to be used against citizens, right? 
That's exactly right. It, it puts them in a to-be-watch list. Let's consider the Catholic memo, which, by the way, was withdrawn after we reported on it. But let's think about it for a second. What the next step was after this memo went out from this intelligence analyst, who, by the way, used lots of woke language in there. For instance, they didn't refer to women who were pregnant as mothers. The, the analysts used the term pregnant people, as though there were more than Birthing one sex. Yeah, yeah my, that would have been the next term. But the next step in the memo was that FBI agents should start embedding themselves in Catholic groups that prefer to go to Latin Mass, so they begin spying on what is clearly a protected religious activity. Uh, that is the danger here. These threat tags start a process of criminal investigation. When the threat tag was used against parents, or at least 14 parents, I believe is the number, uh, that the FBI opened up investigations on. Why? We don't know. We had another FBI whistleblower recently who said that people who had simply gone on a bus to Washington, D.C. around the time frame of January 6th. Not even certain they were going to the January 6th rally, right? Just going on a bus to Washington on a given date was enough for headquarters to press Boston FBI to open up criminal investigations on all 400 of those. Fortunately, in the case of that uh, instance, the FBI office in Boston held the line, would not bend to the pressure, and ultimately won. They didn't open up investigations on people who had done nothing wrong except buy a bus ticket. But that's the sort of thing that goes on here. Once the threat tag and the threat analysis comes in, other tools of the government begin to be applied. And that's what's so concerning to people like Jim Jordan, Andy Biggs, uh, Senator Ron Johnson. They don't like this excessive targeting of conservatives using tools that were reserved for terrorists and enemies of the state. You know, and, and speaking of using tools against a member of the state, President Trump, you've yeah. got some more information and another story about how the decision was made to investigate Trump and, and how that was actually just a politicized thing, which we all knew. But again, now it's coming out this much later that that also was purely politically driven. Yeah, they, they, this is a very important thing. Uh, Citizens United, Dave Bossie's uh, conservative watchdog group, uh, uh, fi uh, filed a FOIA lawsuit, four-year battle. They finally got some early documents. What these are are interviews that key players in the Russia investigation gave to the Justice Department watchdog, the inspector general. And what the uh, attorney general, Loretta Lynch, former attorney general for uh, President Obama, Joe Biden, revealed is that the effort to begin raising questions about Donald Trump and Russia collusion began much earlier than July 31st, 2016, when Operation uh, Crossfire Hurricane, the now discredited Russia collusion probe. It actually began in the spring, and it began with uh, the New York FBI office opening up a counterintelligence uh, inquiry on uh, Carter Page, one of the advisors to Donald Trump. And though this would be a low-level thing that, by the way, raises a lot of questions in itself because Carter Page was a CIA asset, no reason to suspect he was up to wrongdoing, uh, it got all the way to the top of James Comey and Andrew McCabe very quickly. That's odd. Very odd for that mm -hmm. to come in. And they go to Loretta Lynch and say, hey, we may have a problem with a Trump advisor, just letting you know, sidebar conversation. But probably the right thing to do is just give Donald Trump uh, a defensive briefing. Let him know that there might be Russians targeting his campaign. Now, that would have been the right thing to do, but that's not what James Comey and Andrew McCabe ultimately do. They open up, they ultimately open up that crazy investigation that gets discredited, and it basically turns out to be a political dirty trick carried out by Hillary Clinton and her team. But imagine how much history could have changed if back in the springtime, Andy McCabe and uh, James Comey did what uh, Lynch suggested and just did a defensive briefing three years of the Trump presidency probably wouldn't have been squandered. Yeah. And that scorpion, 
you're giving a ride across a river is going to snap you with that tail every single time. They, they're leopards. They can't change their spots. Uh, John Solomon, Just the News, they are doing the work to dig this stuff out and publicize it. Thanks for all you do. My pleasure, Jim. Great to join you. Right on. Well, hey, uh, we're going to get back to your calls in, in just a little bit uh, after the break and talk a little bit more about why we need Trump. But I'll tell you, one of the reasons I think we could really use Donald Trump again is he will shut some of that stuff down. He will burn down some of those programs and, and get the deep state out of our business. I'm Jim Hansen. We will be back with more America First Radio. Today, we are partnering with Food for the Poor to provide urgently needed food to some of the most impoverished countries in our hemisphere because of interrupted planting cycles, rising food prices, and the lingering impact of COVID. The list of families unable to feed their children grows longer by the day, but you can make a difference to these families. Today, a meal for meal match means your one-time gift of $144 provides a family of four with food for a year. That's two meals a day for the next year for a family who struggle to get even a handful of rice or enough corn for a tortilla. Knowing your gift will never have more impact than right now. Will you rescue one family, three families, or even ten families? Go to sebgorka.com and click on the red Send Food banner. Text the keyword G-O-R-K-A to 91999 and you will get a link to make your life-saving gift. Or to give your gift by phone, call my toll-free number 855-330-4673. Sebastian Gorka, this is America First, and I'm delighted to welcome our special guest host, Jim Hansen. Hey, folks, I am delighted to be sitting in Seb's chair on a booster like I have to because he's such a giant that literally I'm six foot two and I am sitting on a booster so that I can be seen above the desk. Um, But I can see Jen Horn on the other end of our Skype connection here, Uh, Salem Radio from the California end of the country. Welcome to the show. Yeah, we're from uh, Blue State, California, but I love that you're sitting on the phone book today. It takes a it's real funny. man to admit that. I love it. You know, I, if I was, and everybody likes to play this game, oh, oh, you know, DeSantis wears boots, Marco Rubio wears boots. Okay, yeah. I'm six foot two. You know, it's hilarious <laughs> to me that I have to do it to go ahead and get up to Seb's level, but hey, we're working of, on it. You want to hear a little uh, funny Seb story? Yes. So the first time that I met Sebastian Gord, this was years ago, he came out to uh, the Inland Empire. It was before he was even national at Salem Radio. This was when he had written the book Defeating Jihad, and we had just had the terror attack in San Bernardino. Oh, you yeah. may remember that yeah. with that married couple. Mm-hmm. And so he had come out just weeks after that to do a book signing event. And, you know, he's a big hulking guy, and he's tall, and he's got the, you know, that tough attitude when you first meet him. You know, <laughs> he's got this big persona and the big voice. Yep. And uh, it was very funny because I thought, wow, this is like he's an intimidating presence. And then we went back to the green room, and, Jim, he whipped out his phone. And he had a Minions phone cover. And I thought, this is my guy. (laughs) (laughs) It's all a front. It was like instant friendship at that point. I thought, okay, he gives that intimidating vibe, but he's got the Minions phone case. I can get behind that. What impacts you every day? 
There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. There you go. There you go. Well, good. Well, hey, um, I want to talk about your home state. My wife happens to be from Bakersfield, which is the Green okay. Bay of California. Yes, indeed. And uh, I, want to, I want to find out kind of the zeitgeist out there, because one of the things, one of the, the stories we saw was your L.A. City Council out there is mm-hmm. talking about becoming a sanctuary city again. Are they really going to go with this? Is that a thing again? Well, you know what's so funny is I read the same story this morning, and I thought, wait a second, isn't Los Angeles already a sanctuary yeah. state, a city? I mean, we've been doing – anytime you go to jail, the jails are not allowed to uh, to work with ICE. They're not cooperating. So essentially, why do we even have to make it official again? Because we've already been acting in this same vein. It's absolutely insane. I think that they run out of things to do. And now that they're going to end the COVID emergency finally at the end of March. So they think, what other thing can we get into? Maybe we need to revisit sanctuary fun again. I mean, you have so much craziness. You have the L.A. Fire Department and the LAPD all coming out in the L.A. Fire just recently, just today, actually. LAPD last month saying that they want to make they want to reduce the the tests and the testing and the standards for hiring because they want to get they want to achieve equity instead of equality and so they want to lower the standards so they can bring in more women they can bring in more minorities here's the thing i don't care what color you are i don't care what gender you are but i want you to be able to pass the test like show up and know that's too much to ask i don't think that's unreasonable and Unfortunately, with Los Angeles and with the city council, I guess we are headed in the direction of having this conversation about the sanctuary city, even though we already are. So now one of the things I liked, because it's a garbage thing to do, but I saw uh, as a reaction to it across the country, there were sheriffs and other people who said, "Okay, if we're going to play sanctuaries, what Mm -hmm. if we're a Second Amendment sanctuary in my jurisdiction? You know, and either I'm going to, oops, uh, I can't see. What, what is that? Is that a bump stock? I can't see that. You know, <laughs> I can't tell what kind of gun that is. Or they're just going to openly say, I'm not going to enforce unconstitutional things. And the difference between those two, is, which I think, again, as usual, resounds to our favor, our people would be doing it in accordance with the Constitution mm-hmm. as opposed to the, the Cali version, which is, oh, no, we're going to violate, you know, the, the actual laws and, and the rule of law. To, to go ahead and play our sanctuary. A little if, bit of difference. Absolutely. And if our side of the aisle wanted sanctuaries uh, for Second Amendment rights and for advocates and supporters, we'd be called extremists, right? Yeah. We'd be quickly added to the domestic terror watch list, I am sure. <laughs> it's it's so interesting, like the double standard and how we just see le- the leftists, especially the leftists running California, just pick and choose which constitutional rights they want to play up. I mean, we've had, with that big decision by the Supreme Court with concealed carry, one of the big arguments in places like Los Angeles and in San Francisco is that the sheriff's department and props to former Sheriff Alex Villanueva, he was handing out concealed carry permits, but you had to give him a reason. Well, the Supreme Court says now you don't even have to get a reason. People are just allowed to have it. 
the sheriffs don't know what to do because the sheriffs in, in blue cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco still want to maintain the right to tell you that you can't carry outside of your home. So it, it is funny to watch them pick and choose which pieces of the Constitution they like and which they think are outdated. You know, it's that living, breathing document they love. Uh, no, it doesn't breathe. It's a dusty old parchment <laughs> in the archives that we know all the words to already. And right. I think that's a fun one, though. That's one to keep and bear. Because if you go back to D.C. versus Heller was mm-hmm. keep, and now Bruin was bear. You know, and the idea that uh, what good is the right if you got to keep it at home under lock and key? You know, what and if I want to shoot somebody out there? You know, what if someone is trying to kill me while I'm going to the grocery store? I live in Arlington, Virginia, mm-hmm. and within probably two miles of my house in the past year, there have been eight armed carjackings. Oh, now, I come on. I, I'm sorry. You can't tell me. Now, fortunately, Virginia is a, a shall-carry state. So I think it's fun to, to have those arguments. i got to ask you one thing, though, because uh, California is I, – I love to give it a hard time, but I, I just think it's a place where they may have gone too far and the backlash is coming. But I think your governor is going to be the Democrat candidate for president. What do you think about that? Um, it's hard for me to honestly uh, – look, I think he really wants that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that – He really wants it, and he really wants it bad. I do still believe that the DNC sees some value in Kamala Harris, even though she is so unlikable and the people don't love her. She's being propped up by the DNC, and I don't see how they can get rid of, because they love identity politics, Mm -hmm. a black woman in favor (laughs) of a white man. I just I don't know how that's going to work. He's got executive-style hair. No, he's he got does. executive style hair. If and you look up central yeah. casting and you yep. look up governor or plastic Ken doll politician, <laughs> you're going to see, you will see Gavin Newsom. But the weird stuff with Gavin lately is that he loves to crow about all of his achievements. You've probably seen him. He wants to be president. You just yeah. mentioned it. Well, he's not giving a state of the state address this year. And one of my favorites, I follow this stuff closely. I've been doing California politics almost 10 years now. And Jim, I have never, ever, ever Heard of Gavin Newsom having dyslexia, but apparently he's saying he doesn't want to do the state of the state this year because his dyslexia makes him uncomfortable watching the teleprompter. Now, I'm not a doctor. I am not denying that the governor has dyslexia. He may. But he has given speeches off teleprompters and he has given a state of the state for the last five years. He's used a (laughs) teleprompter. And by the way, if he wants to be president, he's going to have to use a teleprompter again. So it's very funny that this year he says he doesn't want to do a state of the state. And here's why. He has nothing to celebrate. That Mm -hmm. surplus he was crowing about, we now have a deficit. The homeless problem, (laughs) out of control. People living on the street. The roads are crumbling apart. And this Yahoo garbage bag goes to Mexico, to Cabo, while people are stuck up in their homes covered with like 10 feet of snow and people are dying while he's in Mexico. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. Did you so, see that Ted Cruz actually dogged him on Twitter about that? He, he, he said, should have. I heard Cancun's nice this time of year. 
Because he did the same thing. Right. But, you know, I would argue that a governor, when you have a snowstorm like we did, and it was unprecedented people in California. People People are still – they're still uncovering bodies because yeah. they're just getting into neighborhoods right now. It's really tragic. And neighbors are actually having to go and dig people out and get prescriptions for people because first responders can't even get there. But you need a governor to be there on the ground, especially if he's interested in being president. So, yes, I think he wants to be president. I think he believes he wants to be president. He wants to take on Ron DeSantis and, you know, he hates Trump and all of this stuff. That's fine. But if you're in the state, you go, what kind of accomplishments is this guy going to run on? People in Oklahoma and Iowa already think California is crazy. He's (laughs) got to convince people that he's got something going right in the state. And I can't. Hard pressed to tell you what that is right well, now. Lot, it's all woke. It's woke accomplishments, not yeah. actual accomplishments. And then That's he right. would have to go counter woke, like you said, to push a black woman out of the way, which I think is beautiful. Did you catch Sarah Sarah Huckabee Sanders saying it's normal versus crazy? I loved it. I that loved to me, I, I'm trying to propagate that as as let's frame this next election as normal versus crazy because yep. they are. And the key to saving California, everybody wants to know why I don't run. And I really believe that incrementally we can make differences here in the state of California. If we don't fight to save California, we're the Petri dish for all of the craziness, right? So it it leaks out to the rest of the country. Um, So I say we have to stay here and fight. But you're absolutely right. And I heard you in your first hour and you're fabulous talking about this because you want to bring in people who don't vote all the time. You want to bring in moms. You want to bring in Latinos and Asians. These are the people that are going to save the Republican Party. And they're going to do it if we keep on that. What is normal versus what is crazy? And that has to be what we have to all be like laser focused on moving into the next year. Fortunately, they're helping us by getting crazier by the moment. Jen Horn, co-host of The Morning Answer with Jen and Grant, CRNTalk.com, at Jennifer Horn on Twitter. Um, Keep it up. Keep flying the flag for us out there because God bless you. uh, I can't do it. (laughs) All right. Well, this is Jim Hansen in the uh, belly of the swamp, and we will be back after the break. We're going to take some more calls talking uh, Trump, good reasons to vote for him, and DeSantis, maybe we might take a call to find out if there's a good reason to vote for him. Uh, America First Radio with Jim Hansen, back after the break. Did you notice in the State of the Union speech last month, Biden doubled down on his spending plans, adding even more to the federal deficit? That doesn't bode well for the value of your money. Sebastian Gorka here. Biden's disconnected view of the economy means there will be no meaningful steps taken to lessen inflation and lower interest rates. Your cash reserves and investments will be worth less. Which is why I recommend calling veteran-owned Midas Gold Group to look into safeguarding your wealth with the stability of gold while you still can. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, guarding against the destruction of inflation and the ruin of a recession. Don't let Biden's misguided economy wipe you out. Talk with the good folks at Midas Gold Group. Go to MidasGoldGroup.com or call 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-GOLD. It's gold you can hold. MidasGoldGroup.com, 855-322-GOLD. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. 
Right on, folks. Happy to be back, sitting in Dr. G's chair, doing some America First. And we've got, uh, we got one of our team's killers with us this segment, Darren Beatty from Revolver News, who is becoming one of the better sources we've ever had for solid investigative journalism. Now, Darren, one of the things that I'm, I'm finding both good and horrifying is the amount of information coming out about just how much abuse of power the deep state and especially now the Biden administration has been using against their political opponents. And one of the ones that just came out, the DHS's cyber agency, CISA, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure uh, Division, was actually gave themselves a new mission of looking for censorship opportunities against domestic citizens and against people who are saying things that they found dangerous until they got caught. Is this, I mean, are we going to find this in pretty much every agency that has any kind of investigative authority that they all were doing this at some level? I would imagine probably so. But with that said, there is something quite special about the Department of Homeland Security. The Department of Homeland Security is the tip of the spear when it comes to this deeply significant and dangerous trend in our politics, the weaponization of the national security state against the American people. Even under Trump, the DHS proclaimed that the number one threat to American national security is, quote unquote, white supremacy. <laughs> it's interesting in a historical context because the DHS was set up. It's a relatively young agency from the standpoint of our national security bureaucracies. It was set up in the aftermath of 9-11 in order to help execute the war on terror. Now, that grift, um, for better or worse, dried up. They're in need of a new mission, a new imprimatur. And it's very clear that the new mission for the DHS is we're, new, we're the new Al-Qaeda. Trump supporters are the new Al-Qaeda. If you object to open borders policies, you're the new Al-Qaeda. If you have any questions about the 2020 election, well, you're associated with that deadly insurrection January 6th about which there are tremendous amount of lies and that's why the media freaks out when anyone like Tucker or myself dares to point them out. The DHS is at the tip of the spear and in fact it's important to point out as long as I mentioned January 6th, the chairman of the January 6th committee, Benny Thompson, is the DHS's stooge in Congress. He's a seven-time chair of the Homeland Security Committee, which is pretty remarkable. Why, of all the people, of all the hacks, of all the Democrat hacks who could have been chosen to lead the January 6th committee, why is it the DHS's main guy in Congress? That's an interesting thing to consider. And lastly, we just learned, it's been reported, I've known this for a while. A lot of people have known this for a while, but the DHS actually has an internal intelligence agency, the Office of Intelligence and Analysis. This, to my knowledge, is the only properly speaking intelligence group with the authority to conduct business domestically in the country. CIA, DIA, and so forth, their imprimatur, which of course they overstep at times, their imprimatur is 
confined to overseas intelligence. They're not allowed to investigate American citizens domestically. The DHS is the only one that does it. The FBI, for that matter, of course, they engage in intelligence, but they're a law enforcement agency. And no. they're at least, at least technically speaking, constrained right. by the procedural safeguards attendant to the law enforcement function. The DHS is the only institution where just free-for-all intelligence collecting, no observable restraints, and it just happens to be that the DHS is at the tip of the spear of the domestic war on terror, the war on patriots, and that the DHS's stooge was, of all people, appointed in Congress to lead the January 6th committee. It's all connected, and it yep. all runs through the DHS. Well, now, you, you brought up the this intelligence capability. They actually were running something they called the Overt Human Intelligence Collection Program all right, inside of DHS, and they had internally their own employees asked the IG whether or not they were breaking the law in what they were being told to do in targeting U.S. citizens. Because even though they do have the right to run an intelligence collection operation, they don't have the right to generate these spurious investigations against people for things, you know, along the lines of the school boards and, you know, people speaking out about abortion and all the issues that they want to or COVID or anything else, which is things they were doing. So there was actually a leak recently of internal communications inside DHS where their own employees thought they were breaking the law and wanted the DHS to buy them insurance to protect them. That's really fascinating. And, you know, I'm not a lawyer. I would love uh, to consult with various legal professionals to get a sense of where exactly those parameters are. And again, like I said, there's law enforcement agencies like the FBI. And of course, they're completely corrupt. And I don't think for a second that they follow the rules all the time. But at least there are rules in place that put some constraints on the FBI and keep them in line with a law enforcement function. Intelligence is 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 broad. You can collect intelligence on someone even if you're not, even if they didn't commit a crime, even if they're not suspected of committing a crime. I'd really like to know more about what the legal constraints are on this and what safeguards are in place from the DHS, because we're seeing it in a number of different domains. And of all places, remember, the DHS was the bureaucracy that housed the now infamous and defunct disinformation <laughs> government. Board. The, the mini the ministry of truth. And censor information. Yeah. Online. The DHS really is a tip of the spear in all of these things. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. 
Well, let's uh, we got to take a break. But after the break, let's talk a little bit then about what we want house oversight. Because we only got a little bit we can do right now. But I want to dig into the things we can do and what our team should be looking at. Because we got to dismantle this. And, and when we do get executive power again, we got to rip it out by the roots. We'll be back with more from Darren Beatty, founder of Revolver News. I'm Jim Hansen, and we're doing America First Radio. Just when you thought it couldn't get any better, Mike Lindell with MyPillow is launching the MyPillow 2.0. When Mike invented the MyPillow, it had everything you could ever want in a pillow. Nearly 20 years later, he discovered a new technology that makes it even better. MyPillow 2.0 has the patented adjustable fill of the original MyPillow, and now with a brand new fabric that is made with a temperature-regulating thread, the MyPillow 2.0 is the softest and coolest pillow you'll ever own for my exclusive listeners that my pillow 2.0 has a buy one get one free offer with promo code gorka my pillow 2.0 temperature regulating technology is 100 made in the usa and comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee just go to mypillow.com click on the radio list of square for the buy one get one free offer enter promo code gorka or call 800-829-8468 that's code g-o-r-k-a go today. Welcome back to America First with our very special guest, Uncle Jimbo. It's Jim Hansen. Hey folks, we are back and we're talking with Darren Beatty, founder of Revolver News. Now we have identified in this last segment and a million other times, and and you've done great work uncovering all of the badness that our government, the deep state, the left has used to politicize and weaponize the state security apparatus against us. The real question then becomes, can we do anything now? Is, is House Oversight uh, a tool that can, that can manage something? Can we defund anything? What can we do between now and the next time we have executive power? You know, that's a great question, and it's important to be realistic in our answers here. There just isn't a tremendous amount of leverage. I think the majority of good that we can do is simply tell the story, uncover what's going on, reveal the dark truth for what it is, perhaps exercise some degree of subpoena power, set things up such that the next time that we're in control of the executive branch, which is hopefully in the aftermath of 2024, we can go about aggressively and very specifically targeting uh, these institutions and basically neutralizing them. And, and that's a valuable thing. You know, you can't, it, everybody likes to talk, oh, we'll just shut down this and we'll shut down that. You, you can do some of that, but you also have to have a rationale that tells the American people, we're not just shutting down the FBI because they know the FBI does some good things. They also do a lot of really bad things right now. So I I think that makes sense to to use this time to make the case for when we want to drop the hammer on them in the next administration. Exactly. And I think for various things can be defunded. A lot of these NGOs that receive government money effectively to... um, 
engage in this disinformation scam, these can be defunded. And in some cases, repurposing could even be more powerful than, uh, than defunding. Instead of getting rid of an organization or an office, why not populate it with our people who use it for our agenda and our ends? So I think uh, there's no monolithic answer to all of these things. The real approach is has to come from a targeted, specific, and very granular bureaucratic knowledge of how these different institutions function, who the players are, um, and so forth, in order to take uh, maximum advantage. That makes perfect sense. And I, I think I actually have a feeling that they are up to that. I know that, that House Oversight is busy and they're doing some smart things. So uh, I think that may be happening. Let's hope so. Uh, Darren Beatty, founder of Revolver News, a great place to find out all the information you need to know about what's going on. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. This is Jim Hansen. We will be back after the break and a little bit of news to take some more calls and talk about who is the best person to run this country in 2025. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.